0: The panel this evening consists of the uh, distinguished uh, doyen of American art criticism, Irving Sandler, professor <laughs> Emeritus <laughs> Professor Emeritus uh, at, at SUNY, Albany, author of numerous uh, standard uh, textbooks and monographs, uh, including, um, most recently, "A Sweeper Up After Artists," his memoir of his, of his uh, life in art criticism. Uh, Daniel Kunitz, to my left, is the American editor of Art Review magazine and a prolific and uh, widely published uh, newspaper critic as well. He was, for some while, um, uh, the museum critic of the New York Sun, um, where, as Susan mentioned, I'm also now employed as as a critic. And um, to our left... uh, A check. (laughs) <laughs> the chick as she describes herself um, but we, uh, we don't permit any form of tokenism here at the National Academy so everyone is here on merit and certainly um, uh, Barbara's, uh, Barbara uh, Pollock's um, reputation uh, precedes her she is uh, a critic at Time Out uh, magazine New York Tony and um, elsewhere lovely, excellent but uh, whatever their credentials, you'll, you'll test their true metal this evening in, in some dialogue on the four exhibitions that we're looking at. Now, let me just tell you the, the structure, the technical structure of the evening. What we do is this. I'll, um, everyone here, of course, has trooped around uh, uh, Chelsea and Soho diligently several times to see each show. But just as a kind of, sort of visual reminder, we'll, we'll look at a little PowerPoint now uh, with a few images dingy ones in the case of Laurie Anderson, I'm afraid, but um, slightly better ones in the case of the other artists. Now, the format is, we'll, we'll look at uh, two shows to refresh our memory, um, the first two shows that we're talking about, and then uh, we'll turn off the technology and have a discussion here. So we're going to start with Laurie Anderson, I think. Daniel, what did you make of Laurie Anderson?
1: Well, I actually wanted to ask... Everyone here, whether or not uh, uh, Charlie Finch on ArtNet called this that video a masterpiece, without explaining in any way why it was a masterpiece, and I was wondering if anybody on the panel would like to care to to, to defend that uh, that assessment. <laughs> well,
0: perhaps we should have invited Charlie Finch. Perhaps we shall in the future, but. Um, okay. whether or not we evolved the idea of a masterpiece, does, does, is it a piece? I mean, how,
1: how... It's a piece. It's okay. I mean, it's, I thought, um, I, I was pretty disappointed by it. <laughs> I thought it was pretentious. I think that there are few things more boring in life than other people's dreams. Uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, um, I thought there was nice high production values. I thought that that pedestal that we showed is so over the top, pretentious. Is this incredibly ornate pedestal sitting in the middle of this room with this huge book? And you walk in as if we're meant to care, you know, what she jotted down on her book tour or whatever it was. That which is where all this comes from. She was on the, the whole story is she was on some kind of tour, whether it was a book tour or a music tour, and uh, and these are these are both her sort of thoughts in poem form um, while she's doing the tour, and then. Drawings, which I liked actually. The drawings in the book were kind of nice. Mm. Um, I thought the drawings were really the best thing about it. The video, I just don't think she it, it went at very. It, it, it was okay. It was not very good. <laughs>
0: in terms of uh, we, uh, the the quality, you're making a qualitative distinction yes. between the drawings and the video. It, it struck me that there was a very sharp um, technology distinction. Uh, Barbara, did you pick up on that? Well, I mean
2: I mean, I have to say. I was also really... Well, I was really bored. I was, like, too bored to even be disappointed. But, I mean, I have gone to almost every one of Laurie Anderson's performances, like, her whole career, because I'm really old. And, um, And she has delighted me over and over again in my life so many times. And I always wonder why people who are successful in one field feel they must do a show in an art gallery. I feel that way, like, when rock stars show their paintings, like, you're already great and have moved millions and have made millions in rock and roll but now you have to have a show in a gallery or like when Vim Venders did the show at James Cohen. Mm-hmm. you already made movies that are art like, but now we have to see your photographs you know, because there's some thing that people get, with Laurie Anderson I couldn't understand it, like she knows how to she knows theater, she knows how to command theater so well so I couldn't understand how she could blow what virtually is the same thing I mean it's a dark room okay there's a dark room here's a dark room and she managed to turn what with minimal effects she sometimes does even though it's all high-tech when you're in the audience you can see everything she's doing so it doesn't it's kind of magic because you see all the string. you know you see all the technology but you, something else magical happens on top of it here mm-hmm. you, you say it's high production I actually have seen an awful lot of video I don't even know if it was high production all I know <laughs> is it was boring what was I I mean, striking to
3: I, me, though, was that I would have to disagree. Okay, ah, yeah, I mean. oh, good. <laughs> uh, first of all, <clears throat> I, I think we have to look back a little bit at Laurie Anderson's career, and she has created, arguably, one of the greatest works of our time. U- United States One to Four is an absolute masterpiece, probably one of the few things that will live in our time, and and I think what she, and uh, uh, about her credentials as an artist, she starts as an artist. Her first show is at Artist Space in 1974, and it, it's she's at the same time doing those little performances where she sits cross-legged with the violin and the <coughs> tape and tells stories. Uh, I think what she does here is to turn kind of inward. Uh, United States was about the world out there. Uh, this now turns inward into her own dreams. I agree with you, though, Daniel, because I thought, for me, the book was the most sensational thing. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think that her identity, Barbara, is, is totally in, in the, these theatrical No, these I'm not saying that, but
2: it is funny to me that, like, you're saying she turns inward. I more agree with Daniel. It's like whenever anybody says they're doing something about their dreams, how come it comes out to be a total cliché? Like, I can't actually believe a woman had a dream of a bare woman on a floor being sniffed by a dog. I actually, that is I, the cliché of a male surrealist artist, 1930. I know no women who I'm friends with in 2005 who dream about dead women being sniffed by
1: dogs. I think you've hit on something that, that is actually perhaps more interesting. I, mean, I agree that Laurie Anderson's done a lot of great work. <laughs> Well first of all I really desperately wanted that dog to pee on the body. But um, I mean that would have been funny, you know. <laughs> well, I desperately
2: but, wanted it to remove a digit.
1: Okay, whichever. I've that would seen have been too good many too.
2: horror movies, you know. So it's like do something dog, you know.
1: But what, but but the, you know this is the most recent example of of the long his, in the long history of American surrealism of the sort of American uh, uh, the down take on on surrealism and I think that's it's all, it's consistently boring it's a boring idiom um and I think that that it's one that 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 sort of assumes that dreams are kind of interesting you know it, it, it's 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 and, and or you know the irrational um and that we don't have to do anything to to this you know this sort of un uh unmediated experience we can just sort of throw it out there
3: but Daniel talk about the book the book. Aside from the presentation, the book itself, of course, I turned every page and actually read the relationship
1: of text to image,
3: which uh, I, I always thought was Laurie's
1: really big. Uh, well, the drawings are really nice, actually. I do agree. They were really yeah. lovely drawings. I, I hated the presentation of the book. But I isn't didn't... it
0: rather bizarre that when she's gone to so much extravagant uh, trouble to present a high-tech DVD that the book should consist of rather tacky um, uh, iris prints? They're not even the originals. I mean, is the original being kept somebody better? Has it been sold already? Why, what was the uh, aesthetic value of having it um, come to us? A lot of people could turn the pages.
1: Yeah, so it wouldn't get destroyed.
0: So it wouldn't get destroyed. No, that was simply a technical thing. So it's like the way the Albertina now doesn't give you real drawings. You have to go and see facsimiles.
3: But also, no, but <laughs> no, I also think no, that no, something you about... you actually had a physical thing there that you could turn. Now, if you had the whole thing, they'd have to put a guard and give you white gloves, and then you'd only...
1: But what if they had, she had framed them and, and put them on the wall and to hell with the, the, the video? That might have been a nice show. She'd <laughs> she she have gone the way of
3: Marcel Jean. trying to think them. of the difference yeah. between seeing them on the wall and actually turning
0: a page like a book
3: and reading it one at a time.
0: It does give you... Uh, it is a trade-off, and you're right, it's a technical problem. On the one hand, there is that intimacy and that rapport and that special thing that of books, and mm-hmm. books like dreams are there in our culture and as, as something that has some sort of apparently intrinsic value. And then you've got, uh, yes, the practicality of uh, not wanting to spoil the pages. But
2: but oh, I also think deterioration was like part of it, though I can't really understand, because in the room that you haven't spoken about, there was a room yes. in between the book and the video of digital prints on transparent materials, which by like every art student does, by the way. I was like really surprised because I was with a friend who's not from the art world, as I often go drag around with me, people who are not in the art world to get their impression. She was like, but you can't see the images.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: it was not like you can't see the images in a good way because... It was, That's what were, I thought. I was they, just like,
1: I can't see what's going on. You just on felt like you
2: just can't see it. <laughs> well, it and within. again, that was something I like the way you were you were questioning about why iris print book. I looked at those and I thought there are so many ways today that you could do that and have it be effective. Why such, did you do it? And, and there's make such it a look long like tradition. I'm sorry to hark out. on
0: what might seem a technical detail, but there's such a. I mean. Laurie Anderson is, is, is a performance artist. She comes out of the counterculture, which is supposed to be about, uh, you know, getting away from a fetishized individual object. There's been so much art that uh, embraces its own... Uh, embraces the fact that it's going to disintegrate and that it's short-lived. It seemed to me kind of insulting that um, uh, the, the exhibition wasn't as important as the longevity of, of those doodles and, and sketches. But this may yeah. be part of her idea, to do an addition... But I want to ask you something, Barbara. Or when? part of
2: Sean Kelly's idea to do a, an edition, which is the way it came off by being on that pedestal. It, mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's what I thought. Let's,
2: let's, you know, nobody's going to buy this DVD. Let's do an edition book for people to be able to take home a souvenir. That's
1: what I thought those, those transparent or, things
2: were. Or, like. uh, yeah, it felt really commercial.
3: Have, or, or possibly to have the book itself and the idea promulgated more widely. For the people, democratic idea. But let me ask you a question: well, then it would Are be dreams utterly not viable in visual arts today? What you you sort of indicated
0: that yes, a bit of a reaction against dreams. Dream was not no, no. Even I'm viable.
2: not. I actually, you said something about dreams and American surrealism, which I would not necessarily agree with at all. But I have a lot of issues right now with the amount of work I see by women artists that I feel are replaying certain gender relations that I don't think are even accurate today at all. And I think that, but I think it is a designated R if certain kinds of gender narratives are in the work. And that concerns me a lot. You know, it's deep, it's connected. Oh, Oh God, it's related to Duchamp I heard people talking about. But I'm not sure a woman making work in 2005 should be making imagery that we instantly relate to Duchamp. Should? Like, y- you know, or, <laughs> well...
0: Or if Duchamp... No, made, I'm saying
2: that I'm, the should is for us. Like, I mean, like, I'm asking it more like as a question, actually. Um, like, because for me, it's a problem if you see a work and you go, oh, that's immediately related to, like, the way a man way before the feminist movement would have envisioned sexuality the gays or whatever. I mean, my view is something should have shifted or I thought something had shifted. But now when I go around the galleries, a lot of times I see representations of women by women artists that seem to repeat stuff that when I was, you know, that... Well, it's not just like... I'm not just saying, oh, there was a period when that was revolted against. I don't even see, you know... I'm just living in a different culture. I don't really see that as like, you know... um, the way women think, dream,
1: or operate anymore. I think a lot of young women are simply not anxious about their place in the world and thus don't feel that they should or need to do any particular thing. Uh, Oh, no, what (laughs) I'm saying
2: is, I don't know what people are making, but I'm saying it concerns me that what is getting shown is a recycled version of certain fantasies.
1: See, I just think it's a recycled version of, of art history, whether or not it's it it has to do with, with okay, men or so, women. so okay, well, we see, all think and that, and because, because it seems th- it seems that it seems that there that, uh, is a well, I mean, problem when it's just I, recycled
2: I, I, by a woman because me. those I find that representation of women really disturbing. But well, what was it about this particular dream
3: sequence that she presented that you felt was not valid or? Boring, perhaps, but...
2: Well, one is the video was was just boring. I mean, and I said they were a really long time because one time, and I must admit this, I wrote a review of a video of two people sleeping in real time. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in the gallery about 20 minutes. I went home and wrote the review, and it turned out I missed the end of the video eight hours later, which is that they get up and have breakfast. So (laughs) I... Um, have learned that you need to see a lot and really figure out if there's a loop there. it, was so
3: a, it was a 12 minute loop it's a 12 minute loop but
2: I actually sat there for a half an hour to make sure it was a you know that it went like that so but yeah to me um, that it's a you know that would it not have
0: been a cliche and a surrealist cliche if the dream had been too exciting and too obviously Jungian and and, and, and have... And, Wasn't it and and already? Have,
2: uh, no, I'm talking about on the most superficial level. I sat there watching a dead woman being sniffed by a dog with a male photographer photographing it, okay? Mm-hmm. That's like... And Laurie peeking in. And Laurie peeking in. in. And so nobody... You know, so there's no female doing an active role in there. The idea is for us to look at this body being sniffed at. Wait a and second, that's me, not
1: true. There is a female have, with an active role there, Lori Anderson dreaming the entire thing. And she's there, in the video, doing it, <laughs> creating the entire thing.
2: Alright, well, maybe... <laughs> I, I really don't expect you to get what I'm saying, no, but you. I'm <laughs> No, no, keep trying. Keep
1: crying. Um,
0: well, or we could also... Um, but, 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 I'm, yeah. not,
2: I'm saying I'm a big fan of horror movies. I go see women getting sliced and diced all the time for entertainment, but I'm saying... To me, the idea is that an artist puts out there something that shows that they actually had a unique dream, not the dream that has been used to sell, you know, Hollywood slasher films over and over could you again.
0: Do, but Irving, could regardless you do suggest, of whether Irving, can I moder- to, no, to no, because it's a dialogue on one argument, and I don't want that, please. Oh, okay. oh. Irving, can I can I ask you? You've given us a sense of uh, Laurie Anderson's place in history, but yes. and there's a sense on the other end of the uh, panel, and I, which I would rather share that this this actual exhibition kind of has a status not dissimilar from Pavarotti's paintings or, or those of um, uh, David Bowie, that, that, that this is really, even though she's somebody who's come out of the art world, this is somebody uh, who the artifacts that she generates don't have really enough to sustain us as, as works in themselves. We have to go back to our you reverence mean, you for you her mean
3: reputation. In, you have been in this show? No, I look at it another way.
0: Certain artists that like it or
3: not, I'm willing to mark time on Mm-hmm. You know, so if Barbara was right or Daniel was right, you, if this show didn't quite come off, I'm going to wait and see all well, you know, Lori oh, does no. next. Oh, no, and people, people are entitled is to, is have to have bad
2: shows. People are totally entitled to have bad shows. I
3: stayed with the video for about 15 or 20 minutes myself, and I kind of got, got into it. Not exactly my
0: nightmares, but uh, I understood hers. <laughs> okay. Well... Well, uh, dream on, Laurie. We'll will um, be with you next time. Um, uh, Marcel Jarma. Now, down the road. It's it's curious how. It's curious how the one show d- does lead to the other. Almost, um, uh, it does seem that. Um, very different sensibility though there may be and, and, a, and a, a whole different um, notion of conscious and unconscious um, a persistence of kind of archetypal forms or at least the creation or the generation of um, would-be archetypal forms in this work and as in the Anderson show um, a relationship that we're forced to come to terms with between the sculptural object and the 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 image on the page, um, in my in my view, a much uh, happier one. Although um, it, it's interestingly in in both cases, I was more interested in what was on the page than what was on the floor or projected. Um, can I ask a, a panelist? Um, uh, can I ask Barbara whether she found uh, uh, something something rich in the connection between the sculptural work and Marcel Jama's installation? and what we're more familiar with, or perhaps the the main body of his work, the work on paper?
2: Well, um, the sculptors, you know, Marcel Zahm is in this collective, also the Royal Art Lodge, which came out of Winnipeg, and um, they do performance. Each of them make art. They also make art together in a way that I find incredibly delightful, which is one starts a drawing, another adds to the drawing, another adds to the drawing, another adds to the drawing. They spend their Tuesday nights together doing this and drinking Labatt's beer, which they definitely specify in interviews with them. And then at some point they vote which suitcase the work goes into. Um which I love that idea. And so when they had their exhibit at Drawing Center, they actually also exhibited the suitcases, one with like a smiling sun, that's a good drawing, and then one with like a thumbs down, that's like, we can't even show that. That was the closed trunk at Drawing Center. And then like middle range ones. And so he's part of this. And a lot of the sculptures came out of performances that they did and videos that they made. And um, so they all make these really pretty funky, funny costumes. I actually really love the sculptors. I really, I don't, it's very, very funny with his work and with all of them work and I have this with a number of artists who are doing this kind of naive style. The drawings I don't trust. You know, I'm suspicious of them. But um, it's like somebody saying to you, trust me. Or let me be tr- uh, let me be perfectly frank. You know what, that's when you're going to be lying to.
1: I'm really interested in that. Why I'll get into it. the but the, s-
2: the sculptures, I just really they're really endearing to me. I really uh, would want to I would want to take any one of them home and. The bears too. Yes, <laughs> the bears are perfect. See, the bears, I you know, the bears are perfect. Oh, I'm surprised so. to hear
0: that response to the drawings because they don't seem to me to be drawings in the sense of. Um, uh, fast, re- uh, spontaneously released uh, images. They're very uh, tightly controlled. Um, they're illustrations, effectively. Very illustrative uh, work. I mean, I, I don't say that in any pejorative sense because I think we're, in, in, a, in a moment, art historically, when we're past um, being squeamish about the notion of illustration. But I don't don't feel that they're... I mean, th- there are drawings that say, trust me, because of their spontaneity and expressivity. These seem to be... Um, paintings that are images that happen to be on paper.
2: I, I absolutely know that my issue with them is this, that I really, really, when I saw the work of Henry Dodger for the first time, it was like amazing revelation to me. And, I, and I'm not a sucker for all outsider art, but mm-hmm. when I say it's, it's a vocabulary that's so close to Dodger's mm-hmm. that I don't trust that the stories he's telling me are individual, you know, his stories. Okay, I, mm-hmm. it, there's something about it, but I it can't. I would have written on it if I if I if I could articulate. I would choose to write on it, but I'm. There's, you know, it just. I was waiting to hear what actually the other panelists had to say on that.
0: Dodger certainly looms large in his, but in so many uh, artists who. Uh, younger artists at work today uh, Daniel what what what's up with Darger why Darger seems to be to the uh, early 20th century what Cezanne was to the early 20th I think that that's
1: no no I think that that's actually really well I, mean, I don't think that they have the same place but I think that that's astute because um not in any way to you know but but what's interesting about it for me is you know early modernism in in the visual arts is the one of the art one one branch of the arts that that comp- pretty much ignored folk art um, in classical music you know folk art was huge for, for modernist composers and and you know dance even and um, but 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 in but in modernism they, they pretty much ignored folk art there was primitivism but a different issue slightly different issue um, right now you see folk the folk influence coming into to art a lot and so I think that it's it's it's, it's appropriate to 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 to, uh, to Talk about Darger and but you know, I think it's important to make the distinction between somebody like Darger and somebody like Zama, who's who is who is not an outsider artist, who who is making these these drawings very you know, he he, he is very aware of what's going on today. He's engaging with the art of his time and, and and he is not off in a room somewhere obsessively doing his little thing without any regard for what's going on around him. He's obsessively doing his little thing with every regard for what's going on around him. And um I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that that's.
3: I, I, I agree with Barbara on the drawings. I didn't trust them at all. Fascinating. I and didn't like, like <laughs> well, I was in a situation in that show where I simply didn't care. You know, it was entirely not my sensibility, and I tried, and and those bears. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he likes the bears. Huh? No, I, I no, wait, they were kind yeah. of. See, true. this is
2: this is what I'm saying. I'm saying like I know this is entirely my sensibility.
1: Trust, I'm, though. I want to get to the point what, what you both mean by
0: trust. But I'm not sure I, it's you his mean it, it, I simply didn't
3: believe his narrative. I didn't believe all of the wars. That, I absolutely believe Darger's
1: narrative.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
1: know. I feel exactly I, the opposite. And by, by the way, way, back to with
2: Laurie Anderson. When Darger uses like a naked girl running from the armies, I totally believe that that's his nightmare.
4: Yeah. And I or, totally, or when David. I see Laurie Anderson or probably that, I totally or probably not his day 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 nightmare. You <laughs> know,
2: um, but yeah, there's something in the Dodger that I don't feel genuinely afraid. Like, there's scary stuff going on mm. he's telling me a story about, but I don't feel like he's genuinely afraid or actually really... Oh, you mean zombie Yeah, yes. or that he actually really cares. Like, I don't know, it's like a trick you got to do. Kind of like
1: so you think, you think he's actually sort of spending all this time doing these drawings, putting one over on you just to make money? or? Well, I think <laughs> his
2: intention may be to put... I mean, I think some great artists are about putting one over on me. Oh. And that's fine. Me yes. too. No, no. <laughs> but I don't have to trust them. You know, I think Picasso's but full just, of paintings uh, that are about right, putting I one so. over by, on you. By trust, you, you know? mean,
0: do, by trust, do we mean that uh, this is his deep inner conviction and no. we has some connection to his soul because he's put it down on a paper? Or by trust, you mean mm, three out of 10? I think you know, what what you Is trust a euphemism for not liking it? No, or does trust, trust mean something to do with communication?
2: I, it's good that you ask this, because for me, trust is about, um, I don't feel like laughing along with him.
4: Or, I don't feel
2: like.
3: Or even caring about what happens.
2: Yeah, it's like when, you know what I really am saying? It's like when someone tells a long joke, mm-hmm. and some place in sorry, the middle, yeah. You don't really care what the punchline is anymore, but you kind of giggle um,
4: mm-hmm.
2: you know, at the end, to be polite. It, it, those drawings do that for me, you know? Um,
1: so you, I, it's not the levity that's putting you two off, because that's what I'm No, getting, no, you know? oh, no, 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 no.
2: It's, it's a very
3: complex narrative somehow looks very
1: European. <laughs> it is. Well, I think you have to look at... I think the, Canadian, the person to talk about saying. is not Darger, and, and, but... You know, but there are York cowboys Normster. and Indians,
3: they, and there are pirates and this and that and everything. But in an earlier show where he just sort of did simple single pictures, I thought they were much more effective. The show he had the gallery uh, okay. and so Well, like you,
1: I'm you. willing to stick with him. I thought, I thought it was very interesting that he tried to go big this time and, yeah. and long and, and, uh, and see and so it what was sort of the it. same thing. Okay, but let that's me ask you this. Could, I thought it worked. What do you make multiply. of a juxtaposition
2: of like a kind of outsider art style with James Joyce? Like, mm. no, I'm sorry. I, I'm no, just no, saying no, like part of what uh, loses me along the way is... I don't get what that's supposed well, to mean. Well, it's not
1: just James Joyce. It's one specific drawing of Joyce, right? That that famous drawing of him, with, you know, with the, the eye patch, patch thing. Yes. And um, I don't know. I'm not concerned with what with, with those drawings mean in any way. I mean, I'm just looking at them. But and maybe I, <laughs> I think
0: I think I hear in in, in Barbara and other and, and Irving uh, a, um, a very uh, a notion that um, there's a problem in that here's this young man who belongs to a sophisticated little group and who's bringing Joyce to our attention and what have you, and at the same time, uh, a language which comes out of um, a primitive need uh, or an existential need to tell very, very long, detailed, complicated, agonized stories. Um, and that might might indeed be an issue, but it might also be that he just belong- he has a sensibility or belongs to a generation that's um, is happy to appropriate... Uh, the, the narrative impulse in outsider art, as an early generation was to appropriate brillo boxes. Is it
3: really outsider? Because we, because he's well, obviously.
0: I don't think he. I don't think he wants us to take him on trust as an outsider. He's so obviously not an outsider. Yeah, but but, in is, fact, it, very but is it only because we're pictures.
3: relating it to Dar to Darger, that we're considering it outsider at all? I didn't think there was anything. You've seen those outsider
2: shows. No, I'm only referring to Darger, and I don't even know if I would. You know, but I the also know was an this is drawing. very interesting being here because I also know that one of the things that's going on—it's not like I own Dodger's estate or even one Dodger, but that's such a story. I mean, and the work is is so dear in my heart. I, and I don't know, and I know a lot of people feel this way—that I almost felt like I've got to protect him, while like I know that it's fair for contemporary artists to make reference to him, or and certainly lots of people have. And I know that instinctually, I'm sort of feeling protective of him at the same time that I'm seeing it. Um, and that's interesting, because I wouldn't have thought of that while I was in the gallery. So I think, I, I think part of why I'm saying I don't trust Jama is that I get sort of defensive on Darger's behalf when I see that work, if that makes any sense whatsoever.
3: We shouldn't pass over those bears too quickly. Those bears are great. I thought they were utter kitsch.
2: Do you watch South Park? Hmm? See, this is my standard. I thought the Bears were as good as South Park,
0: hey, which for me is good. like really
2: like that's what I'm going for.
0: South Park is the uh, now would have
3: been thinking man's man. I
0: think to
3: compare the drawings with South thinking. Park.
2: No,
0: the thinking person's Simpsons is that the South Park because South
2: Park does dismemberment a lot better.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. there's something
3: very American about South Park that this really kind of looked like Black
0: Forester well, somewhere. Because
2: he's cause, Canadian.
4: <laughs> but isn't
0: he also coming out... Isn't he also part out. of a huge tradition within uh, late 20th century art of, of art world people who who use and do uh, I- illustration? I mean, the, the the obvious one that comes to mind has just gone out of my mind. Um, <laughs> well, there's Tansy. Uh, uh, there's the British guy who does the... Um, he just had a show in new york very recently at the oh, flowers yeah. gallery yeah, at the flowers Glenn gallery. baxter yes um they seem like glen baxter but on a sort of the, the, yeah. the they scale seem- of, uh, of 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 uh, um Proust or something i mean what why what isn't that actually just a, a very prevalent uh, aspect of contemporary art i mean if you look at uh, a whole slew of people who seem to be um Self-consciously using the illustrative,
3: David. We're now doing something else, which is also interesting. We're beginning to think: Is he as good as? Is he better than? Uh And somehow it does. He doesn't hold up very well, does he?
0: Well, I was taken by the skill and the ambition, skill absolutely, and they had those. They they had intrigue. I don't think there was any. Real attempt to deliver any narrative. I mean, that—that's they had a, a narrative-type quality without actually having any story or certainly no punchline. But maybe that's for the better because um, it gives the energy of narrative without the um, tedium of a punchline.
3: Oh, I, I think there were a number of narratives running through from picture to picture. I think were there
0: were—I con- think there were consistent motifs, but I don't think you could ever you could pick out a hero and see what happened to him or her. Or it in the next um, panel. I didn't even really know which way to go. Navigate those the the the, the, the three tiered thing. Were you supposed to go left to right, and then start right at the beginning again, or could you take a loop and go that way? I very lazily took the loop. No, but then but... it would
2: be like a comic strip, not like what no. it is. So it's fine that it's. I, I didn't find that the uh, the problem with it at all. I mean, what I found was that I was like resistant to going into. And getting attached to any single image.
0: Yeah. I, I thought he had an uh, accomplished mm-hmm. touch, a personal uh, language, and um, a slightly affected accumulation of motifs. But I was well, prepared that, to kind of forgive that. that might him be
3: that might be the Joycean aspect of the work, a kind of uh, yes, you know, Joyce the association. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I definitely think he was trying to do that. Yeah, in, in that particular. He was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got the, the ship, and you know, the sort of. Right. sirenic kind of <laughs> people um. what, what is it called a stream of
3: yeah. stream of consciousness yeah, stream of consciousness
0: well let's hear the consciousness of the audience uh, let's uh, tell us what you think we've missed uh, so far in Anderson and Jarma and or uh, probe us to, to think about something we haven't begun to address does anyone uh, here have Anderson dreams <laughs> Andersonian dreams or Jarma fantasies are perfectly welcome a gentleman in the green shirt
5: I was just curious to the panel's, uh their opinion of the sketchbook pages and how they relate to the drawings and Trust and Darger.
3: The sketchbook
0: oh,
1: it. Oh. Oh yes, those in the front room. The front and, room, and, and, yeah. yes. I thought they were fascinating too, really interesting, those sketchbook pages. I thought
0: they were the dark side of uh, the moon. I, I thought that um, they, they had a similar kind of production value to, to uh, Laurie Anderson's sketchbooks, which just wasn't very interesting to me. I thought he, he, he should just keep them in the suitcase with the thumbs down on it, yeah. because they, they had none of the finesse and the sort of um, medievalist quality of his uh, more resolved illustrations. But Daniel disagrees...
3: They also raise the problem of how much can you read standing up. <laughs> that oh, I'm quite serious about that. <laughs> no, no, that's I mean, a fair uh, point. Uh, uh, m- my students seem to find it much easier to do than I do.
0: <laughs> Lady in the front show, row. Show
2: Fred the pencil of the same school. One of uh, the... Anybody see that? Yeah, it was yeah. another person. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't yeah. remember the name.
4: That I can't is another person from Royal Art Lodge. That one, I think he went further than Darger. I think he
1: kind of took the Darger idea and moved it to another uh, I think we're getting confused with here. It's Zama, that, not Darger. Are we, I mean, well, no. Oh, you're talking about Darger. No, he, she was
4: no saying that folks, there was Petzl did a show. I also it. had the same feeling of Darger. It's interesting mm. to me that everybody
2: seemed to immediately... Feel that you had a like feeling connection. of Dada in, in genre,
4: genre. right? Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: But when I went to the Pestle Gallery, and I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, artist, I really but he should was have.
4: One of the same uh, group, and he like it was more figurative, more transformative, and. Uh,
2: well, in the Royal Art Lodge, I would say the yeah. other three people, who includes one of their younger sister who just graduated from high school, um, the other three artists uh, have they each have their own different look. So Jama has the most of this sort of, and and certainly the most successful, and does the most. uh, You know, I just thought the pencil artist was more successful. Isn't it interesting, incidentally, that outside the uh, person who showed pencil is rougher, and that's I have to say, it's to me more charming. Yeah.
0: Isn't it interesting that in in certain towns outside of New York, there seems to be much more of a sense of. Community and groups. I mean, we have this whole group in San Francisco that uh, uh, Jeffrey Deitch has taken up, several members of, um, who also coming out of uh, illustration and Dodger, but uh, uh, this sort of um, a comic book folkloristic aesthetic in San Francisco. You know who you, yeah. you know, thinking off of that? Mm-hmm. The Very Good Woman Who Died, who had a show. In, Margaret Gill. Margaret Gill. Gil Gill, Gil Gallagher. Gil Sorry, say say the name once so we get it
1: right. Kilgaren. No, it's Kilgallen, isn't
2: it? No, I think it's Kilgaren.
1: It's oh, okay. Margaret right Kilgallen and Barry McGee is the other one Yes, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Kilgallen is the one I really particularly loved, I mean it's my, my story it's completely, as soon as I fall in love with the contemporary artist, I, I hate to say it though, I don't died. think they're
1: really related, I think those two are really looking at graffiti and and, stre- and, and, and this is this is. Oh I don't slated. say
0: that the, 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 the um, Winnipeg and San Francisco are intimately related, but what they yeah. have in common is that they're groups and they're folkloristic and they're collective
1: well, and they're looking forward. They're not. They're not. They're not making something that's the dead end of a of of of, of, of you know of a tradition. I e. Laurie Anderson making making rehashed surrealism. It seems to me. Sorry, uh, just in this instance. I, I, you know, not not to to uh, attack the
5: rest of her work.
6: Hi, um, and really interesting conversation um, about the Jama show. I was looking at one of the drawings yesterday. that uh, that was a representation of several house posts or what some people might think of as totem poles. And given that Jama is a Canadian artist, I thought a lot about the question of borrowing that image of the house post because the Kwakiutl people from Vancouver Island and most of the tribal peoples along the northwest coast own those images and they protect them very carefully. And in order to use one of those images, you really have to go through ceremonial protocol that is quite elaborate. And it was troubling to me in a a way that the artist was using those images within his work without acknowledging that kind of relationship. So given that there's a lot of richness in the relationship between non-native and native artists in Canada, that was very interesting for me to see, but troubling on some level.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's take one or two more comments and then, uh, gentlemen here.
5: Um, I just want to go back to your question about trust, that uh, question that Barbara threw out. And I just think it's uncanny that you made that remark and, and Irving also seconded it because I've always felt that way about Marcel Zama's drawings. I've been following them for years. And I've maybe uh, in the last few years, I've always had to look at them because all my friends buy them. And I think maybe it's partly the scale, this sort of false modesty of the scale and the skill you know this really uh, incredible skill, the drawings that make me feel like they're not genuine and no, for that me it's just,
3: for me it's more the narrative, whatever exists there and and it, it really has to do with a sense of belief that one has in front of any art.
5: Right, it's like talking to a person having a conversation yeah. and if you meet someone and you don't feel. You, that they're genuine, that there's another, like priorities are elsewhere than yours. But with me, there was something else uh, aside from that.
3: I I simply didn't care. Right, me too. And, uh, you know, there's this uh, New Yorker cartoon Mm -hmm. of this man in front of a plate of spinach, and he says, I say it's spinach and to hell with it. You know, so. (laughs) (laughs) And the
5: artist at at, uh, Petzl is Jonathan Polipchuk.
0: Thank you. Yes. All right. Right. Thanks.
5: Yes. Yes. Indeed. Thank you.
0: Well, we don't usually, or I don't usually, arrive at such um, uh, a symmetrical sort of arrangement of shows to talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. Jarma and um, Anderson, different sensibility though they have, and different generation that they come from, clearly um, some some motif and. Dreamlike and sequential sort of things in common and books and things and um, now in the second half uh, uh, Pearson and Williams who again a, a different uh, different kinds of uh, visual ambition perhaps, but um, a similar kind of jokey all overness um, uh, Irving uh, a critic who was a friend of Pollock and de Kooning um, uh, all overness. <laughs> Well, uh, What do you make of this person? <clears throat> uh,
3: I, I think that both artists are related and that they are indeed really very accomplished decorative artists. And and uh, then you have the problem, uh, I, I just sort of, sort of grooved both shows, just visually kind of liked them. And then later on I began to read, you know, what both artists said about the shows. And uh, it just, I couldn't put the... The two together, that uh, the Sue Williams show was supposed to be very angry. I, geez, I wanted to get in the middle of whatever they were doing on those surfaces. <laughs> uh, and uh, I really found it handsome, imaginative, elegant. I didn't see anything quite negative in it at all. Uh, and I do think we might want to discuss the relationship of. An artist's rhetoric, particularly if he or she lays it out there, and what one actually uh, sees—in other words, do we actually are we actually seeing what we
1: read? Well, may I interject because and speak to what you're saying? I, I basically agree with what you're saying, but you know, you talk about trust, and when I look at this most recent Sue Williams, which look a lot like older Sue Williams paintings, there, I, I my trust it falls apart because. She has that beautiful line, right, that elegant, lyrical line, and in fact, but then you look at it longer and you realize, of course, that she uses the exact same line, that little U-shape, over and over and over again, constantly, and she has such facility with it that I've lost all trust. You you don't feel like there's any, and and I think that that it is from that, you know, I think that um, that disparity between between rhetoric and and intent, or or what she sees as her intention, very much springs from perhaps an over uh, over facility and and just relying on it and going and and I think that's how you end up with that decorativeness. And they're um,
3: primarily drawings, really, mm-hmm. in paint, yeah, in in paint and and. That, uh, but they are indeed
1: very skillful. Oh, I, yeah, they're pretty. They're really nice to look at. And there's nothing wrong with being decorative, necessarily. you going to have to jump in here now. Well,
2: I mean, this is the moment. I'm always, you know, nobody warned David, but this is the moment, as I reach in most panels, where I hop into my convertible and take the exit off this Route 66. Because I saw both those shows as really indicative of something that I'm seeing a lot of mm-hmm. that I am really, 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 really troubled by, which is... I feel like we're living in a period of incredible self-censorship where artists want to make work that somehow engages with what's going on in the world, but it's not actually showing up in the work. And, or else they say their work is about fear, as if fear is a political position. You know, fear is buying into the Republican, what the Republicans want us to feel. It's not a political position. But they like do a show and they say, it's about fear. And so it's political, but that doesn't make it political. It's the rhetoric again. So along these lines, now that I'm in my convertible, driving away from art criticism, um, though I have to say when I write stuff, I just feel like I'm writing for people who read the rest of the New York Times, not just the arts and leisure section. Um, All year I've been wearing this button. that has It's very tasteful. And somebody has to get really close to you, but it says, how can we think of art at a time like this? I've worn it to things like the MoMA opening, and I have plenty of them for the audience to distribute tonight. But this is what I would like to do. I would like to start a movement tonight, right here, where when you're in a gallery, you turn to a friend and you just say, not in a screaming voice, but a little bit loud, gee, you'd never know a war was going on from the paintings on the walls in this gallery. Just try that. That's all I'm asking people. Because it is, like we have younger artists, who I mean, I'm just troubled by that. I'm very troubled that a artist of Sue Williams' stature wants to make work. Obviously, she's titled those things about the RNC or about the war. Only you'd never only you it's like know. under the wallpaper. Or and I, I I at least enjoyed Bruce's show because he actually is saying we're shoving it under the wallpaper by burying mm-hmm. the word Bury. yes, I, I, would really, the I would really I
0: protest at the uh, I, I guess I'm guilty of it because I I started by saying there's something in common between Pearson and Williams but we, we seem to be discussing them as a uh, collectively and um, uh, really f- focusing remarks that belong properly to Williams so I think let's deal with Williams first um, or okay let's deal with them both at once but let me say that to me that, that Pearson is just uh, at, a, at a completely different um, intellectual and artistic level. I mean, w- Williams um, has uh, uh, to me a, a, a completely pretentious um, well you know, I'm correcting myself I, you know, I'm suddenly thinking of something else and that's I'm suddenly thinking of of um, Joan Schneider who painted the paintings that she always paints. She's a woman who's fiercely political and engaged and cares about the war and what have you, but just makes her paintings and her paintings don't really necessarily have that much to do with any war but she then dedicated her catalogue to uh, the women of Iraq Um, and in a way it seems that in her titles and her rhetoric um, uh, Williams is doing what Snyder in a more dignified way simply did by with her catalogue it's as if to say, I'm, I'm painting Sue Williamses because that's what I do, and they sell, and they're skillful. And um, but at the same time, Citizen Williams is indignant, so she's going to give them some titles that reflect.
3: There was there was a time in Sue Williams' work where she really
0: was angry, and it really was exciting, came across in the painting. That the sort of uh, the and more saliva,
3: and yeah. vomit. You yeah, know? Well, uh, I'm so, thinking I mean... more of the flat stuff on the wall. Yeah, It yeah, was yeah. just really strong. And then she went into this de Kooning-esque phase, which was sort of decorative de Kooning. And now we have, uh, as uh, David points out, this dissociation. But again, I think so many artists, and I find this in my own students, don't quite know how to deal with the war.
2: See, I think we've reached a point where we're so scared of being didactic that we don't care if we're irrelevant. Uh,
3: Again, the, the issue I look, but you really now, now, as a historian, it's a little bit more complicated. During the Second World War, for example, you had all sorts of artists doing political mm. art, doing war art, etc. And who are the artists who seem to have caught the sensibility of that moment, that decade? It's artists you wouldn't have imagined were political artists in the first place. I completely Pollock, agree. Decombe, and people who were virulently, acu-
0: uh, virulently accused at, at the time, time of, of uh, being bourgeois uh, deviationists who don't know there's a war going on. And
3: worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Collaborators, because they're not um, well, doing protest no, art. nobody paid that much attention to them.
2: Well, so. I knew, this is why I said yeah, they were that called I collaborators the in the highway and took my exit. I'm sorry. This I'm sorry. is why I said I, you know, hopped in the car and took my exit, because I knew I was, like, going to be, like, definitely departing from the issue of art criticism. Are you happy, though, just to to conflate Williamson Pearson? See, I'm just saying, there's 400 galleries in Chelsea. I see it as a cultural phenomenon, not as, like, individual connoisseurship of paintings. I don't go through there in the same way that either of you guys do, actually. And so if I flip the channels of my TV, something indicates to me that there's a war going on. If I spend eight hours in Chelsea, nothing indicates to me that a war is going on. So that begins concerning me.
3: Is there any artist today, though, who you... Deal, is attempting to really deal with these issues in a way that, for you, makes sense. I think sense. Paul
2: Chan's doing some really interesting work around mm-hmm. that, But he and he's also doing activism. I think there's tons of artists, actually, that are doing a lot. I think... Uh,
1: so you don't really feel like what you just said?
2: No, I'm saying <laughs> I don't see Chelsea Dealers showing it.
1: They show Paul Chan.
2: Well... You know, and saying it's few and far between when a Chelsea dealer shows it, but I'm saying that I'm hearing from more and more and more and more images are getting sent to me of people who are dealing with this more explicitly than it's getting reflected in the galleries.
3: There was a show that uh, Danto did, which I have not yet yeah. seen.
2: That's a very poor show. Yeah, That's poor definitely so my so friends it. in my apartment show.
1: Yeah. Barbara, you, you should really put this yeah, show maybe together. You, could, you need to curate this show. <laughs> but
2: I'm saying... So you curate the show and you get someplace like the Lower, mi- you know, I'm saying
1: I I, I have to say I completely disagree. I think that, mm. that that if you have if you have all this political art and all this stuff going on in Chelsea just have this huge preaching to the converted thing going on. We are, you know, virtually 99% of the people who walk into a Chelsea gallery agree okay. with you so, and spend their lives and their days doing this and I don't think that there's any need to dictate to them what they should be showing. I think it's it you know, it makes no sense. We don't need no, to I, go into uh, you know, into to, into galleries to be told once again, yes, by the way, there's a war going on. No, but it, you no, some bad odds out, out about help raise to
2: express a feeling about
1: it. Well, if they can do it, well, I'm all for it. but
2: well, well, I'm saying even if they can do it, I can't say that every single painting I saw this week in Chelsea did painting well. Great. Even if they want to do it badly, they might want to express something about mm. this. They might
3: no, no, Barbara has a point, it also has to do with attention paying attention. And mm. if there are these artists who are not getting attention, then you know Chelsea uh, has to be called into question. Mm-hmm. Well, we, the, the, the,
0: we I, But I I
2: guess... I'm not even saying that. I'm saying so. I go see, like for example, in Art Danto show, um, we have Cindy Sherman showed her clown mm-hmm. photographs and said that's what she did in response to 911. Well, I saw her show two months after 911, and it felt like. You know, I'm just saying. There's artists of stature that seem to want to be expressing yeah. something.
0: Well, they want to be—they want to hunt with the hounds and themselves. you know, and
2: I feel that tension.
0: Run with the hairs, don't they? I mean, they want to—they want to appear to be uh, politically right on, and 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 I, I no, let's not be cynical about it. I'm sure as as human beings and citizens, they're very concerned and engaged, and they want to do that good cultural thing. But at the same time, and I don't actually blame them for it—they don't want to turn out bad propaganda art and stop making what they were doing before, uh, because that would just be a sort of a defeatism in itself, wouldn't it?
3: And they have to work out a feeling. For example, I I was rather taken, although uh, there wasn't enough of it shown, say with Joel Shapiro's most recent work where suddenly after 9-11, and I don't even know if he was aware of it himself, it suddenly becomes very dissociated, jangled, and and, uh, again, that's his response.
0: I think you could almost say the opposite, uh, Barbara, that uh, those artists who can suddenly flip into a mode where they're going to make extremely relevant and appropriate uh, work to a war situation uh, or any political situation um, are, are, are probably those artists who aren't actually plumbing the depth and creating the work of richness and ambiguity.
2: Well, what I'm saying is, do we really want an art world that has unlimited venues but nobody can express anything?
0: What I really want now is a discussion of the, uh, the merits of Bruce Pearson, <laughs> and um, I would have thought um, a way to um, to deal with uh, a, a, a political culture in which um, there's a, a a loss of attention is to have art that um, takes as its central subject, uh, consciousness and... and uh, uh, Control and lack of control and um, uh, the, the zaniness and what have you. Now, um, Daniel, what did you make of Pearson?
1: I actually found it very difficult to attend to. I, I disagree uh, with with Irving that I, I thought that, that that Sue Williams is very decorative, and, and, and I think that Pearson is decorative in, in a bad way. And I don't think they're pretty. They're nice paintings. I, I, I don't like them at all. Um, first, I mean. The, the 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 texture did, doesn't work and and the colors are are I find them kitsch I mean utterly kitschy sort of and not and, and not in an interesting way I mean kitsch in its original sense of I was sort more of, positive yeah, yeah. I, I, I I just don't buy it I don't know they look like I I feel bad saying it I, I like the again the works on paper the flatter work I thought was better um the something about the styrofoam feels in, insubstantial even when you're looking at it <laughs> and, uh, and 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 but
0: again I mean we talk about... We, we talked about trust with genre and and now we're talking about prettiness with uh, Pearson. Do do we think that he wants to make work that's just happy and pretty? I mean, I didn't
1: it? take it that well. I took it. I mean, he, I, you know, he. I thought he was playing much more to the sort of druggy shamanistic sort of thing. Yes. That, and I'd prefer to look at Fred Tomaselli, for instance, if you're going to do that. And, and and I mean, the Rorschach stuff, and I don't know. It just didn't work with the sort of drippy Abex kind of painterly stuff. That I just. I just didn't buy it. It just, seems, it just seems...
2: But out of all the artists we're looking at, I really believe that he had fun making that work.
1: Oh, see, I think Zama had the most fun making of, of all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like Bruce
2: Pearson, I can see him having a lot of
4: fun.
1: Uh, I I feel like he was like, gosh, I wanna I wanna mean something. I I need to mean, you know, I want it to mean something, and I want it to get across that there's these drugs involved, and I'm gonna put Rorschach in there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take these words, I'm gonna put them in there, I'm gonna do everything I can to make it mean. I'm gonna have texture. I'm gonna have these colors, but like, but he's just not letting himself go and doing it, you know, and doing something. I. I Thought. That's, that's
3: Daniel, back back to uh, Williams for a moment. Uh, I, I kept thinking late surrealism.
1: There, oh yeah, oh absolutely, Tangi, oh, Mata
3: Miro. absolutely. I kept
1: thinking Keith that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I never <laughs> thought he's. No, I was thinking late surrealism too, and I yeah. and I thought, and it was a demerit in my and, mind. And I, <laughs> I
3: I did actually see them as kind of orgiastic pop. Well, yeah. There you get herring there too. Yes. And the only thing that didn't have any orgastic quality to it was the painting, which was
0: so flat.
1: Yeah, and really patterned and controlled. Yeah, patterned.
0: Well, I think that's what she needs and wants, and that that would that her work would just fall to pieces if she if she was more painterly. I think that it is about finesse. I think it is. I think it's an elaborate, not very elaborate actually. I think it's just another. 1980s style uh, postmodern joke about uh, abstract expressionism, uh, and uh, and a sort of collision of a little mm-hmm. bit of social meaning, a little bit of street art technique, and uh, the the poetics of all overness, but sort of spitting in your face with all overness, saying you know, oh yes, no, Pearson I think bottom. is playing a much more elaborate deep game uh, or, or or investigation into um, the way. Uh, the way images work, I think that
3: I want to ask Barbara a question. Barbara, how would you deal with uh, Sue Williams' intention here, her political intention?
2: How would I deal with? Yeah, impo- as she See, stated. I'm saying, like I, I think the you cannot deal with this work without dealing with the issue of self censorship, which I think is a perfectly valid issue today to talk about. I mean, that's my concern. My concern is not whether people are making bad art that's going to influence
1: Well, you. I think I, when you're I, talking I, about you know. her work, I think you're absolutely all. But I've i am mean, seeing a lot of shows yeah. <laughs> that I
2: feel like people are on the verge of saying something but feel if they go, that they don't know how to say it. Or with her, I definitely felt like, well, we're going to make a painting that will function over some collector's sofa, frankly, very well, and will play on those issues of abstraction and stuff like that. So we have stuff to talk about. At cocktails, and then we'll give it a title. But I mean, I also would have to t- t- talk about, well, the line comes out of R. Crumb stuff a lot, so, which was anti war, so she may be onto something there. And um, But R.
1: Crumb has a lot of different lines, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, I know. it's, it's well, not just on that the line. one Then we get
2: back to like the way you see your defending R. That's the way I feel when I see Java and I, I think Henry Dodger, which <laughs> what is. What did I
1: say? You know, I, I have <laughs> to say, <laughs> I have <laughs> a radical when R. When R. a politically
0: <laughs> engaged critic describes art by people who don't share her agenda or meet it, uh, that it's self-censorship. That's uh, uh, any art that doesn't fulfill what you're looking for, you are looking for at the minute, is self-censorship. I
2: I think if you were familiar with the 30 or so publications I write for and what I write about rather than that I'm just for time out, you would know that I'm actually incredibly open-minded. What I'm talking about is I'm very perturbed why... Sue Williams, who 10 years ago was doing stuff very explicit, now has backed into this corner, and she is not the only artist that I've seen do that.
1: Well, I Um, I have to agree with you so that's
2: what I'm looking at. I'm not just looking at Sue Williams and saying, she didn't say what I wanted. I'm saying, this is kind of interesting. Like, just the way when Trust came up with Jama, that becomes very interesting to me. What does he do that makes me feel defensive? So I'm saying, what does she do that makes me feel like, you know... Something is going on here. Because I do think that she's a good enough artist that if she wanted to deal... Yeah. That, and I've seen her deal with stuff in, on the canvases. So why is it just on the checklist, you know?
1: I mean, I think it's a valid issue with her. I, other artists aside, I think that looking at those biomorphic forms that don't really get anywhere, you, you got to think. She's trying to express something, regardless of whether it's political or whatever, that she's just not really... It's just not resolved. So she's not like, oh, I don't know... <laughs> You got, I, I think it's, it's about, it's, it, it makes sense to me to look at that work and wonder about that, especially given the titles. Um, but, and, and, you know, yeah, I and mean, she's been I making them over and over again. I
0: think the titles are more wallpaper, but they're intellectual
1: wallpaper to go with the visual wallpaper. But I hadn't looked at the titles, to be honest, when I, I looked at the paintings. I never.
3: No, I, I didn't either <laughs> until I read the press release on the way oh. here. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> I mean, they I they just did? saw them as uh, kind of wonderfully sexy uh, decorations. Uh, not in a pejorative term no i mean they they look
1: good No, i think you're I, I, yeah
0: let's let's hear what the audience has to say and and your course of total liberty to address which whatever you like whether you like the the digression we talk here on the panel towards uh uh self censorship and um art in the time of war or from my selfish point of view I'd be more interested actually to hear uh what you really how you how you relate perhaps that discussion to uh, to the two shows that we were nominally reviewing uh, Sue I'm, Williams and Bruce Pearson. I'm more reacting to what you all have been
7: saying. I think um, that when, when we go especially into Chelsea and, and look at the work in those 400 very spare white walled spaces and hopefully it's going to be an intellectually and you know, culturally engaging moment, it, it's still a market.
0: It's still a, it's still a commercial experience. And I think sometimes it's a little, you want it to happen, but maybe it's a little bit unrealistic to think that that you're going to have some politically fused totally you know angry confrontational moment it's maybe not the venue i think if you look back 20 years ago you know the very angry and raw art that we saw in the east village usa show that reflected back to drugs and aids and race issues those were not seen in chelsea galleries that was predominantly in the sort of grittier form you know david von rovich etc was in the east village so
3: barbara has a point i'm finding it hard to think of any show that attempted to engage with these issues, am I missing something since 9-11? Yes.
7: Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Oh, oh you're, you're right. missing some art that you're glad to have missed, like, uh, like uh, Carolee Schneemann's uh, Bodies Falling Out the World Trade Center and um, any, any no, number I, of I uh, really any,
8: any.
1: puerile responses. I, I have just one point. I think
8: that after 9-11 that many artists uh, I felt I couldn't not express it, but I was there. We saw the whole thing very closely. That that art was not really important and it took me a very long time to get to decide what I was going to do and I turned to something entirely different from what I felt about this war. And it's an enormous feeling within me. It's almost like running away from it,
2: not that it's being well, adopted. I think she I identity. definitely see a lot of work that's also about escapism. Mm-hmm. No question, like yeah, fantasy. No question, a
3: lot of fantasy. A lot.
2: That's like this gothic or not escapism. Even that, just
8: sort of real things that, have, that are happening right now, or things that you've not done because of one reason or another. And, and the, I think an awful lot of artists that I know just really haven't attacked it because it has been so phenomenal. And and. Uh, unless you're a Goya or something like that, um, and not that you don't have those feelings and not that you can't do that, but I think it's really a, a lot of running away uh, and mm-hmm. not ignoring the war or what's happening or what has happened, but just to make some sanity out of something that is real that is, is right now. Um, I, so I haven't seen much response that I've liked, or that I've felt was important, and you know that really got me. Uh, I think it's very difficult, and I'm not sure... I mean, the words are there, as you say, but I'm not sure I've seen much either. And I'm not uh, sure yes, lady
0: that. in the front row, uh, Diane Lewis. Well, I don't know either artist, what I
4: find interesting about, you know, the presentation and the whole process of looking at it is that there is a politic or philosophical difference in the way both artists work. That's very obvious from the work. I mean, first of all, the I don't know this Bruce Bruce... But those paintings seem to be looking for some sort of text on which the person then operates and comes out with a kind of open-ended existential condition that they don't have control there's no a priori idea there the question would be how do you get symmetry from a non-a priori condition of text the other paintings are highly manipulated and they're designed, they're very decorative and all the allusions that the critics at the table made are exactly right they're slightly prurient, they're almost like phalluses or you know if that's the anger of a female artist then that's a subject matter that's highly narrative. They pretend to be an abstract field, but they're actually completely narrative painting. Now there's a politic that's very different in those two sets of works, which is indigenous to the representation the artist takes. And art can't be criticized within those texts any longer. And it only has to be criticized by being literally activist. You're back to a kind of social realism argument.
0: Right, lots of chew on there. Um, let's, let, let's, uh, no, no, that wasn't meant as a put down. That was, uh, that's what we like. Uh, Karen, Karen Wilkin.
4: Um I'm, I'm really puzzled by all this uh, talk about self censorship. Uh, Daniel, you seem to buy into it as a, as a, Va- valid explanation for Sue Williams I think it's a valid uh, question you were say, well, well maybe a valid question but you, you seem to assume that because her earlier work was more explicitly rude and this isn't uh, that this is self-censorship maybe it's just not good enough, maybe her imagination is finite um, you know, th- this, there is a, a larger context to be looked at here why assume it's self censorship if it's not coming across to you? It may just be
1: lousy and inadequate. <laughs> so, what did you really think of those paintings? <laughs> yes,
0: uh, come on, Caramel, enough self censorship, please. Wasn't directed to any one
4: of these artists.
0: Okay, I think we've got some more hands, haven't we? Uh, uh, well, yes.
5: Uh. Uh, I just to follow up on what uh, um, was said about uh, artists making work about war and about. Uh, social justice issues that we think about all the time, read about all the time and see about out on the television. I just came back from Istanbul, the biennial in Istanbul, where there was almost 100 artists making some very good work. Most all of them are making work about the war, about politics, engaged in global political situation. And I went to Chelsea and spent the entire day in Chelsea and I agree, it's appalling to not find one work of art that is engaged in some kind of dialogue where that plugs into our daily existence. And to find an artist like Sue Williams, who was so incredibly powerful and wielded such strength and force in her early work, to be reduced to this person who's peddling paintings over collector's sofas, to making uh, decorative Sue Williams rather than powerful works of art that she used to make, I think is shameful. Whereas artists of a younger generation, you find it like John Connolly, they don't have a sub- or a counterculture really that they can relate to I think. Maybe that's why there's so much vacuous work being made, but for someone like Sue Williams, I thought it was really disappointing. So. Mm, okay. Um, gentleman there, Michael, Stern Richards. Um,
7: I think the lady at the front who um, commented about narrative, the, the appropriate, the first thing is to be able to read the narrative is spot on, and it's, it's more than something to be chewed on. Um, but I wanted to pick up on the last question, because um, in Turkey, Istanbul, you would need to ask yourself, well, what are the other outlets that are available? What are the ways in which the culture already codes certain responses? Because in the, in the context of Sue Williams, the discussion on Sue Williams and um, Bruce, Bruce Pearson, and I refer to the latest comment over there that visually our culture is overcoded it's extra- it is oversaturated, and it is oversaturated with this paradox that there is this is a country after all of the First Amendment, so you can do you can say anything you like that's going to be protected by the First Amendment, and yet precisely just as we are oversaturated with imagery. We are oversaturated with a sort of First Amendment culture, which ends up neutralizing. Okay? So you cannot, absolutely cannot, compare um, the engagement with the war in Istanbul with a lack of engagement with the war here, because visual culture, the visual culture, the symbolic coding of culture, are working in completely different ways. And I'd give one concrete example of this in relation to Barbara Pollock's um, questioning. One example, there's an exquisite, and I do use the word intentionally, exquisite painting by Matisse from 1914. It's, a, it's usually called just fenêtre, white window. Yeah. It's a French window. You look at it, it's basically three vertical bands black, blue, eau de mm-hmm. Okay? It's as close as Matisse comes to being abstract, because Matisse is never an abstract artist. It's as close. And then you suddenly realize, oh, but this is the same window that he painted in 1905, which was filled with light in 1905. And so this window in 1914 is the absence of light. That is how Matisse codes the fact that this is a time of war. But is it a political painting? you could say those colors in 1914 then become colors of mourning, but that at least we know how we might be, internal to Matisse's developing language, how we might be able to code the presence of light and the absence of light. And the, the way that I understood some of the comments that have been made here is that we're, we're maybe not, we're not sure how we're going to do that coding, but certainly within our culture, a First Amendment culture, uh, a culture of visual saturation, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for any artist to do anything remotely uh, um, proportionate to what, to what is needed. Yes.
3: I think the, the, the crux fine. of the issue is there. You know That artists, I don't think it's so much self, self-censorship mm-hmm. in that artists, if they, even if they wanted to confront this issue, and I think many of them do, find it difficult to know quite how to do it. You can't go back to a cliche social realism. You've got to work somehow out of feeling. Uh, it's a very complex issue. But I, I, again, in our First Amendment culture, wonder whether artists are really fearful. Unless they're fearful, their work won't sell.
0: Well, you know, also, uh, maybe I, I feel that um, Michael Stone Richard, speaking from the floor raised a very, very rich point there and with, with Matisse and coding. And I'm reminded also, it's a different argument, but it's one that uh, Bruce Pearson or Sue Williams might take to heart, and that is, uh, and 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 use if confronted with, uh, Barbara's criticism, and that is that uh, at, the, at the depth of the First World War, uh, Monet was uh, confided to Clemenceau that he was just too depressed by the news to paint. And Clemenceau said that, you know, you, that you are... Great, what you're doing here in your studio is the most eloquent protest against war and, and is integral to the war effort can I just say a very briefly
7: response: sir? individuals can be traumatized but cultures can also be traumatized and that means then precisely that there's a failure of symbolization there's a failure of the ability to articulate affect feeling. And uh, it strikes me that the, the more powerful, I don't blame the artist because, in a sense, um, my difference with Barbara Pollock would be to say, um, I am responsible as a citizen, and I don't think that any artist has any particular responsibility that they don't have as citizens. Their first responsibility, if they're going to be politically literate, uh, is to be responsible citizens. So I don't think that they, there is anything that they have that they don't have as, as, as citizens. But it strikes me, the, the longer I stay in this country, and I, uh, David and I have been here for a while now, um, I, and I've never, and I don't care about relative political positions, it's from the beginning, this whole business with the war is, is, is irrational, but let's look at, if we consider, say, the response, the now famous response of the times, the, famous, the non-response of journalists, it strikes me that the culture is, in fact, this is, traumatized. I actually, it's the it, culture this is that the broader does not have the words. Mm. Sorry.
2: This is the broader issue I'm looking at. I'm not looking actually at individual artists, but though here we are. That's why I said I'm, I'm saying: Do we want to actually be a culture? Like we can we can debate. It's the same old debate about whether we want didactic art or not. Let's flip it over. Do we actually want to be a culture right now? Where we, our art did not respond to a political situation that we
1: are in. But it's it was... going to. But as well, well in, in
0: subtle ways that we don't understand. I think well, the great I, art is doing so. Well, I would like in a non didactic, non formulaic, non agitprop way, that makes that's useful to a, a left critic in a, at a panel, mm-hmm. that's looking at two individuals. That's I would like to
3: rephrase question. Barbara's question. I think she's really onto something. But I would look at it and I. Uh, somewhat different way. If we are in, and I believe we are, a, a culture now, at least in the art world, of total pluralism, where everything goes, anything goes. The issue is what counts. And if one moves that one step further and tries to ask, of all kinds of art being created today, what's relevant, then. Uh,
0: I'll, I'll let you know in a year. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Um, I think letting us know in a year is a good moment in which to go chew on what's happening in art. please look carefully to the website where the panelists and exhibitions will be listed within the next week or so. Thank you very much. I think so is uh story